Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Let Me Fill You In. This is now the 20th installment of this midweek show that is an extension of Phil at the Movies. I'm grateful and delighted to always have you back here each and every week to hear what I have to say on all things cinema. And a few things to fill you in this week. Uh, One new movie recommendation for you, as well as the usual cinematic quote of the week. And lastly, a program note to share with you as well. So starting off with some movie news, Barbie continues to dominate. Even though it has slipped from the number one spot at the box office, the film is now the highest grossing movie in Warner Brothers history. It has surpassed both The Dark Knight and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. The domestic total for Barbie is now $594.3 million, and I'm sure by the time this episode drops, that number will have changed, uh, and it'll probably be uh, much closer to $600 million, if not over. Uh, Barbie is a powerhouse. This film has been the, the, the huge hit of the summer. I, I guess in some ways you could call it a surprise hit, because I, I think the convention was Barbie would do well given the the recognition of both the doll as well as the cast, but I don't think anyone expected, myself included, this film to become a a phenomenon. And it really is a phenomenon. It's it's lightning in a bottle. These are these once-in-a-generation types of movies that that take audiences by by storm and become uh, a milestone, become an event movie that people will talk about for for years to come. And it's not just that it's, oh, it's a big movie and everybody's talking about it. It's also a well-made movie. And I've said before on this show, it's a lot of fun. It's a brilliant cast, brilliant script. And and it's, it's what we need right now. We need these kind of event movies that are, that are passionate, that are exciting, and of course, well-made. And that it goes all the way Back to the director Greta Gerwig, so hats off to her for the continued success of Barbie. Uh, I expect uh, that this film will. It may end up being the highest-grossing movie uh, of uh, of the entire year. It would not surprise me, uh, given uh, that we are we are still now over a month since the film's uh, premiere, and it shows no sign of uh, of stopping. I mean, it's already the highest-grossing film domestically. Uh, this year, it already went far past uh, the Super Mario Brothers uh, movie, and it's uh, just behind it in the uh, the worldwide uh, box office. And I would expect once uh, all is said and done, Barbie will uh, reign supreme. It's a uh, it's a Barbie world, and and we're all just we're all just living in it. But uh, no, I mean I I'm I'm delighted to see that this movie continues to to resonate and and have the success uh, that it is having and. There's actually going to be a re-release of the film in IMAX later in September with uh, some, I guess, additional footage. No, uh, no real details on what that footage is. I don't know if it's uh, after credits or or if it's new footage in the movie, but uh, certainly something to keep an eye on. And if you haven't had a chance to see Barbie, this is one of those films I highly recommend that you go see. Um, in addition, the other half of uh, of, of Barbenheimer, Oppenheimer is uh, showing no signs of slowing down either. This three-hour R-rated film about the creation of the atom bomb and the, the, 
the fallout of it, so to speak, continues to resonate and, and hold strong with audiences. It is now the fourth highest grossing R-rated movie of all time, behind only the first two Deadpool movies and Joker in the number one spot. And again, much like with Barbie, audiences are showing up and, and engaging with a movie that is well-made, that is well shot, but also has something to say. It's a compelling story. And I think this film, in, in many ways, illustrates the, the power of Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker. Audiences in recent years have sort of, I don't want to say turned their nose up to, to established directors, but there hasn't been the, the kind of drive at the box office and, and the drive in, uh, for moviegoers to go see sort of, you know, the latest say, Steven Spielberg movie as an example. And audiences are, are still showing up for a movie directed by, by Christopher Nolan. I mean, just, again, to put this film into context, it's already made more money. And I know I've sort of talked a lot about money today, but just trying to put it into perspective of just what a powerhouse Oppenheimer is uh, as well. The film has made more money worldwide than the last Batman movie, the Batman, and the last James Bond movie, No Time to Die. That is incredible. I mean, yes, this is a, a movie based on, on a book, and it's, and it's based on, on real-life events. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, audiences are showing up for this. And this is not a, another superhero film. This is not a, an, a, an IP, if you will. This is this is in a in many ways an original movie. It's a, it's a drama, and audiences are showing up for it. And I I think that is absolutely fantastic because it also shows the need for kind of a diversity of of, of movies uh, at the box office, not just your standard action thriller or your standard superhero film. Audiences want a little bit of of everything. You've got on one hand Barbie, on the other hand you've got Oppenheimer. And I think that represents a perfect a perfect balance, if you will, of, of what movies can be right now. Sort of you know appealing to everybody, appealing to all different uh, tastes and, and perspectives, but ultimately just presenting and creating well made films. So again, this has been one hell of a summer. I know it has been said, but I'll certainly say it here again. Movies are back. Uh, th- this was the this was the summer that movies sort of felt like you know the films from yester yesteryear, so to speak. You know, kind of before the pandemic, where these movies are are truly events that are just catapulting uh, catapulting themselves onto the the center stage and and grabbing audiences and taking them along for the journey. Uh, you know, more of this, please. I, I certainly expect that other studios are going to try to capitalize on the success of both Barbie and Oppenheimer, and I think it will be a mixed uh, result, if not an outright failure, because at the end of it, Barbie and Oppenheimer's uh, sort of uh, creation, if you will, the Barbenheimer uh, uh, meme, was an organic event. This wasn't something that was manufactured by a studio. It just sort of happened in a lot of ways through social media with with people sort of taking an interest in both of these films being released on the same day and then and then being complete polar opposites so i'm sure other studios will follow i don't think they'll have the same success because again you can't you can't just make an event movie it really has to happen organically i mean you sort of look at throughout 
movie history, films that have sort of latched on and become pop culture phenomenons. You think of the first Star Wars movie, you think of Jaws, you think of E.T., The Dark Knight, you know, just event movies, they just sort of, they happen. I mean, yes, there can be a little bit of a a push in the marketing department, but ultimately it has to be a well-made film, it has to have a story, it has to have something to say, and and it has to be good. I mean, at the end of the day, it has to have be a reason give a reason for the audience to to show up and not only to show up once but to keep showing up and that's clearly what has happened this summer with both Barbie and and and, and Oppenheimer and I again as as a fan of of movies and and cinema I couldn't be happier and and I and I hope this is a sign of 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 more to come though uh on that note with the ongoing uh, uh, writer strike. Um, we are we've seen now the first sort of postponements, if you will, or delays of movies that were scheduled to come out later this year. And the most the most prominent one, the most notable one, is Dune Part Two. Dune Part Two was set to be released in November of this year, but will now be released in March of 2024 and the reason of course being the ongoing writing strike and I will just add the unwillingness by by the studio heads to meet the respectful and, and fair demands of the writers so I mean I will just you know say if you know if you're disappointed with any of the delays and certainly this will be impacting uh, TV schedules later this fall if you are disappointed, if you're frustrated, don't blame the writers, don't blame the actors. This this sadly is at the is at the hands of the of the studios who are refusing to hear out the writers' basic and 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 fair and reasonable requests. This is not a you know, sort of they're not asking for pie in the sky demands. They they are being reasonable, they're being fair, they just want to be treated with dignity and and to have their their work validated. And again, certainly, you know, in a studio's end, all they care about is is the bottom line. But uh, I, I'm I'm hopeful, and I continue to to think that a solution will be uh, will be reached. And I think you know it's probably going to take a little bit longer. But the uh, uh, the 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 writers specifically are are holding strong. And I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again here. I fully support them, and, and hope that they get what they what they are asking because. At the end of the day, this is this is about people's worth and and feeling self-respect and and validation and and I know in movies, TV, a lot of the time it comes down to to numbers and 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 money. I've just you know talked about the box office results at the beginning of this of this show, but beyond all of that, I mean, you really can't put a price on. On art, art is very personal. Art is very real, and I know it is. It's show business. It's movie business. But I think sometimes there's too much emphasis put on the business end, and not enough put on the movie end, so to speak. You know, there's more care put on the bottom line than the actual creativity and art. So that's all I will. I will say on that. Uh, just again, hoping that a an agreement will be will be reached, and and again we can go back to, uh, to to seeing movies and 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 enjoying the the cinematic process. But um, 
All right, next, uh, one movie to, to recommend for you this week, and it's on Netflix. It stars Adam Sandler, and it's called You Were So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah. And this is this is one of those movies where I went into it thinking, okay, it's Adam Sandler. You know, sometimes, you know, he's not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, and even though this is sort of billed as a, as a, as a comedy, it's really more of a coming-of-age story. And interestingly, it also stars two of his children. Two of his daughters are, are in the movie, uh, one of them uh, pro- uh, prominently, uh, Sonny Sandler. And I, I, I loved it. I, I thought this was a sweet, charming, coming-of-age story that really captures the sort of the angst and the, the frustration of of adolescence, particularly in in junior high. I mean, I think we can all remember back to a to a time and in, in some point, maybe in school, where where things weren't going right or th- or or things were sort of a you know all jumbled up. You know, down was up, up was down, so to speak. And and this movie really has its finger, its pulse on uh, on it, the finger on that pulse. And I I just found myself saying, yeah, this is really this is really good. This is really a, a charming movie, and the the premise is these two two friends, one uh, played by uh, Adam Sandler's daughter, his real life daughter, uh, gets into a disagreement with her her best friend over a um, over a boy they both like, and it results in them, you know, essentially, you know, sabotaging each each other and and kind of you know uh, going uh, going to blows, so to speak, uh, as the uh, as the uh, bat mitzvah. Uh, is set to uh, to happen, and it's it's really just a uh, just a, a a funny and and at the same time beautiful story about friendship, about sisterhood, about the strength of family, and, and kind of going from one point in your life to 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 the next. And even though there's sort of this there's a religious uh, component to it, uh, in, in many ways the film felt completely universal. Uh, again, just sort of the, you know the the struggles of of adolescence and kind of you know on that that cusp of of when you're sort of you know a teenager and and sort of like transitioning from being a, a kid into into sort of a young adult in a way. Uh, it, it was it was really relatable and it's again there's a, there's some really funny moments, but I I was more taken by just the the, the charm and and the, the the sentimental moments of the film and and Adam Sandler really. I mean, he he, you know, he sort of does his his usual uh, shtick with it, but uh, you know, he sort of takes on a a, a little bit more of a serious uh, uh, tone with this film. Not not in kind of like a stuffed shirt way, but uh, you know, a little bit more uh, in in kind of the drama aspect. And again, given the fact that he's acting opposite of his his two uh, two daughters, I thought it was a nice touch, and it kind of added to even more believability. In, in both the story and, and the the situation uh, with the family, but I highly recommend this, particularly if you are a fan of, of Adam Sandler or just a uh, a fan of Netflix in general. This film is on Netflix; it's streaming now, and uh, it's it really took me by surprise. I I didn't I didn't go I went into it not expecting to like it as much as I did, um, but I, I really I really enjoyed it. And again, it's not one of those movies where particularly where the focus is on on you know on you know teenagers and, and and adolescents where it's sort of like I don't want to say it's preachy or it's sort of like you know uh, 
uh, over the top uh, in kind of the, uh, the the situation. Everything here felt felt grounded and 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 realistic. And like I said, sort of you know just reminds you of of that time in life when you know, when you're in middle school and you know just sort of just the day to day beats of life. But uh, no, I I thoroughly enjoyed this film and and, and highly recommend it. So if this is your uh, your cup of tea. I would, uh, I, I would, I would say, uh, give it a watch. Um, on that note, let me uh, let me leave you now with the the cinematic quote of the week, which will actually tie into uh, what is happening on Friday's episode of Phil at the Movies. Now, this quote comes from uh, one of the great directors, one of my favorite directors, Martin Scorsese, and the quote is: "The most important thing is the script." And that is 100% the case. And to tie that into what's happening on Friday with Phil at the movies, I am going to be reviewing Oppenheimer in a way. And how I'm going to be reviewing and discussing the film is by taking a look at the screenplay by Christopher Nolan, which is adapted from the, the book American Prometheus. But specifically taking a look at Nolan's script and why I believe it is a contender for Best Adapted Screenplay at next year's Oscars. Uh, I, have a, I have the script. It was published in book form. I could not put it down. It, it's a script, but it doesn't read like a script. And I will just leave you in suspense uh, with that for, for Friday's show. But uh, definitely, uh, definitely want to tune into that if you are a fan of, of Oppenheimer and uh, you know, have seen it as many times as I have because as I've mentioned before, this is my film of the year. I, I adore this movie. I think it is a masterpiece uh, and, and that is not an overstatement. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, taking a deep dive and, and, and talking about the film uh, vis-a-vis the script. Now on that note, as I, as I said, there is a programming note uh, for you. Uh, this will be the last weekly show of Let Me Fill You In. My plan right now is to do this on the short end, either every two weeks or in a kind of a you know, worst case scenario, once a month. Um, I've got just so many things going on, uh, just both with work and kind of in my in my personal life right now that Trying to do this show in addition to fill at the movies, it's just becoming a lot to manage. And so I thought fill at the movies, that is the staple. That's going to stay as scheduled every Friday. Nothing changes on that end. But this show will be moving from either in every two week to on the, uh, you know, the far end, uh, a once a month. And so that will also give me an opportunity to be able to present with you more films that I will have seen instead of, you know, just sort of a weekly week, uh, week to week basis. Uh, but sort of like a whole uh, laundry list, if you will, of recent movies, as well as kind of a, a larger breakdown of news and events, uh, that, that have happened over the course of, of so many weeks. Uh, so that is the plan right now. Again, wanted to just update you on that end, so going forward, uh, fill, uh, let me fill you in. Will be uh, kind of a, a, a bi-weekly or, or a once-a-month show, again, sort of depending on 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 scheduling. But uh, fill fill at the movies will stay uh, will stay planted on Fridays. No no changes there. Now on that note, it is so long for now. 
with regards to Let Me Fill You In. But as always, you can catch me every Friday. You can listen every Friday to Fill at the Movies, where the focus of that show will always be for the love of movies. Thanks, guys, and take care. Thank you.